Welcome to the Extra Podcast, a production of Northview Community Church in Abbotsford, British Columbia. Your hosts, Jeff, Ezra, and Thalia, will be discussing the Bible, relevant issues, and current events each week. At Northview, we love to study God's Word and discuss how it applies to our lives, but we try not to take ourselves too seriously. So feel free to laugh with us and at us as we try to challenge and encourage you in your faith. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Extra Podcast. My name is Thalia. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I am joined by Jeff and Ezra. Hey, Jeff. Hi, 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 hi. Hi. And Ezra. Hello. Ezra in the house. Ezra is in the house. And our producer has a bad cold, so he had to go into the other room. (laughs) How often do you speak of yourself in the third person, Ezra? All the time. I know you do. Now, Ezra, Ezra is here. Yes. Ezra says these things. I know you do. Why do you do that? I love it. I mean, it's... It, is it So is it self-referential? You basically are trying to say that you're such an important guy that you can depart from your own body and view your actions as a third party and say, look at Ezra. Look at him doing these things. Actually, I'm going to be referring to myself in plural shortly. Ezra's? No. This is what we think. About this. <laughs> oh my. Okay. Ezra, do you know what schizophrenia is? Multiple personality disorder? What, what's that again? <laughs> okay, question of the day. Sure. So, when you guys were growing up, what <clears throat> kind of family holidays did you take regularly? Regularly? Yeah. Like, uh, what did had, a typical family vacation look like? We had a timeshare in uh, Lake Chelan, which is uh, kind, of, kind of the Washington State oh, version yeah. of the Okanagan yeah. Valley. Yeah. So, a big, long lake. Very similar to like Skaha or okay. or Lake Okanagan. Yeah. What'd you do there? Have you noticed that Canadians and Americans invert those words? Which so words? you call it Okanagan Lake. Yeah. And I call it Lake Okanagan. True. Because I'm like from the United States. You mm-hmm. say, we say grade one, you say first grade. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've always, pe- people, like Cultus Lake sounds right to me because I lived here. But you go down and you say, oh, I'm going to go to Whatcom Lake. And I'm like, no, because my family lives on, on Lake Whatcom. It's Lake Whatcom. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Lake. Yeah. And Lake Washington. So and Lake Sammamish and first. Lake Samish and Lake Elsinore and Lake Tahoe. It's not Tahoe Lake. Yeah, you're right. Shoe Swap Lake, Cultus Lake. Lake Cultus. Yeah, oh, that will sound weird. weird. That is so weird. Yeah, but we would call it Lake Cultus. Oh, mm. I've never paid attention to that. Now <laughs> I've got <Isn't> something. <laughs> yeah. And yet, in the states, you do the opposite with river. So it's okay. the Sammamish River. It's not River Sammamish. Well, we say the Fraser River, uh, yeah, Thompson I know. River. So you're you say, but you're consistent with it. Yeah. Say so. So Fraser River. Yeah. Cultus Lake. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Whereas right. we're not in Americans, we're not consistent with it. We switch it with lakes. We switch it. But with we the do rivers. like Mount Seymour. Yeah, we do all that uh, too. We don't do Cypress. We do Cypress Mountain. Oh, ah, it switches. Yeah, that switches. <laughs> it's a mess. Yeah. yeah. It's all invigorating radio. Uh, Right. So for us uh, in Africa, vacations are not things that families plan. So like, hey, we're going to take some time and holiday and just go see. And No, we don't do this. Most families would, uh, when they work in the city, they would travel to the country where they will be visiting with their grandparents and extended Mm -hmm. family who don't live in the city. And so... In many African cultures, you will have like a small little mud hut or something like that, that you might go and sleep there or maybe sleep with a relative when you're visiting your grandparents in the in the country. A lot of kids, myself included, 
growing up in the city, we didn't like going to the country because that meant a lot of work. So you're doing farm work. <laughs> yeah. So it's school vacation and you're doing farm work. Right. You're taking care of the cows, you're milking them, you're going to the to the farm to to plant seed, to weed and all that in the hot sun. And then the food is not all that great because you're in the country. There's no TV. Electricity is not there. Have to go to the river to get water. Ah, too much work. So a lot of... <laughs> yeah, like so camping. Yeah, so for us during so the So now school, you camp though. Oh, right Which now I camp. Which is basically yeah, that. Which yeah, is exactly. pretty much the same thing. But you see the thing, the reason I camp is because, uh, again, my kids love it. Because Tamara does the work. Yes, and it's <laughs> and it's inexpensive. It's so inexpensive it's camping. It's not inexpensive. Oh, it yes, costs, it is. Oh, it's like 60 bucks a night to stay in no, some of these uh, campgrounds. It's Jeff, ridiculous. Jeffrey, you need to talk to me. 60 bucks a and night? Dude, I got it here. <laughs> you need to talk to me. You need to talk to me. I'll, just, I'll, I'll tell I'm you. Sure, sorry. Yeah. Okay, so there's What's this up? guy. I was working at this church, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it was middle of nowhere church. The building itself is middle of the wheat fields in mm-hmm. eastern Washington State. So I drive to the church one day, and there's some dude who has hooked up his camper van into the power of the church. Like he somehow got what? under. Yeah, he somehow got underneath the the awning or somewhere where he pulled a, ca- a, a cable out and he plugged it in. And I'm like, oh my goodness! So I went and contacted my father-in-law's pastor, and he came up and saw the guy. Went and met with him, came back out and said, yeah, this is some dude from from Bellingham for where, you know, he used to work. And he said, he said, apparently he just was driving by and knew that this was the church that I was a pastor at. And so he thought he'd just <laughs> plug in here and use the church's power right. for, for his thing. Camper. And I was like, what in the world? Who right. does this kind of thing? He said, yeah, some people are just cheap. So Ezra, <laughs> I have a question for you. Yeah. Have you. Have you ever been tempted to hook into the power of churches? Well, yeah. you know, the mission camp is... they're free. It's free. Can you imagine <laughs> going camping at the mission campus? Tim Bueller, who is, what, totally. works here, he's, uh, he's uh, one of the facility guys. He's fantastic, right? He's the director of our facilities. I came here, and he had his camper on the property here for, like, a few nights. So I was making fun of him that he was doing... He was camping here. That's <laughs> dedication. He's a big canoeer, yeah. too, because I'm thinking, oh, maybe you're filling up that back pond and going oh, out yeah. the canoe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> No, so that's pretty much what we do in Africa. We don't do vacations as North Americans would view vacations. It's basically visiting relatives in the village and a lot of work, which many city kids like me, soft hands and everything, didn't like it. <laughs> Thelia, you're a big, uh, you're a big camper? Yeah, my parents yeah. camp. But we did every summer in August, we went to visit relatives in Manitoba because my grandparents had a farm, and so we would go... Three days driving there, three days back. Now that's a good time. <laughs> Road to, trip. Yeah. John Denver, Roger Whitaker in the car, <laughs> eight track. Oh, country oh, road. Oh, goodness. Wow. Yeah. And then we would help on the farm, like you said, and uh, visit with all the relatives. That was two weeks every summer. Wow, mm-hmm. that sounds awful. <laughs> well, now it sounds awful. At the time, it was pretty fun, except for the driving. And what about the weather? Is it muggy? Is it what? No, it was very hot. Lots of mosquitoes. Yeah, good times. Uh, yeah. That's what. That's the payoff. When you get to Winnipeg, you get to you get eaten by mosquitoes and do some farm work. Yay! Yay! <laughs> We're going to visit yeah. Grandma. Yeah. Good times. Mm-hmm. Good times and in. Okay, so we've got three interesting questions for today. One mm. on the gospel, one on being stuck in sin, and one about false teachings in the church. Mm-hmm. So you ready? Let's go. Okay, so the first question is about the gospel. 
says, the word gospel is used a lot at Northview. I'm pretty new to being in church, and I don't understand what this really means. I grew up in a Christian home, so I'm hesitant to ask the Christians around me that would assume I know what they're talking about. Could you explain it in simple terms, i.e. gospel for dummies? Yes, I can. And good question. Uh-huh. These, these are our favorite questions, because yep. the gospel is, is the, the, word, the word gospel is good news. That's what it means. So when we tell the gospel, we are reporting the good news. You say, mm-hmm. well, what is the good news? Well, Paul in 1 Corinthians says that this is the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. So what does that mean, that yep. Christ died for our skin, sins? So here you go. Uh, God is a holy God who created people in his image. Uh, so in that sense, they have inherent worth. The problem is that they walked away from God and rebelled against him. And being a just God, he holds them to account for their rebellion. Uh, if he were to hold them to account, he, he would judge them right then and there. But God, being rich in mercy, ends up uh, bearing with them and providing actually a substitute for them, a, a Savior who will take upon himself uh, his own God's own wrath. So God provides his son, Jesus, who takes upon uh, the wrath of God and what we call propitiates, or in other words, uh, turns aside God's wrath and uh, becomes for us uh, um, our our righteousness. So, by faith in Jesus, uh, we don't receive the wrath of God, but instead the blessing of God, because Jesus was perfect. We get his perfect life given to us or attributed to us, and our wickedness attributed to him. This is what some... Theologians in the past have called the great exchange, and it's the heart of the heart of the gospel message. Yeah. And then in the end, then we become part of a community of mm-hmm. faith now. By faith in Christ alone, it's not based upon our works, it's not based upon anything we've done. Uh, we receive eternal life uh, and become part of this community of faith that we'll be part of for the rest of our rest of our days. So mm-hmm. the the rubric I would use is that so there's something true about God. The good news is that there's a there's a holy God who's been wronged by sinful people who are made in his image, but also have walked away from him. So God, and then man sinned, and then Christ has redeemed us from sin because he, is, he has paid the price for us, and so we have redemption and a future hope. Yeah. And all of that comes on the basis, not on works, not on things that we are able to do. We can't earn it. It's purely on, on, God, on, on faith in Christ. Yeah. Is that dummy enough? Yeah. And yeah. you had some scripture verses that yes. you're going to read. Yeah. And, and, and just as uh, Jeff gets to his scripture passages, there are four words that, uh, help, that are very helpful to help people remember what the gospel is. And we say those words would be creation, God created all things. Then rebellion, man rebelled against God by mm-hmm. sinning against him. Then there is redemption, where now Christ came to pay for the sins of man. And then there is um, restoration, restoration where Christ is going to come back again yeah. and make all things Yours new. Yours is better. Yeah. Yours yeah, is shorter. So creation, rebellion, redemption, restoration. Yeah. So those are just the four, four so handles hear, that are helpful. You hear this. So in Colossians one twenty one, you actually have this lovely passage. And you, uh, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. So there's the picture of us, you know, wronging God. He, God, has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, so it's a reference to Jesus, in order, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. So there's a simple phrase of summarizing mm-hmm. 
a, a bit of it. There's a, a one that's a little bit more um, detailed that I like to give because mm-hmm. it talks a little bit about the implications of it. So Titus 2.11. Uh, oops, is that right? Titus 2.11? Yeah, that's right. Titus 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, so it's referring to Jesus, <clears throat> bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify himself for himself, a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Yeah. So that one's a little bit more, has more of the emphasis on the, how, how should one respond to the gospel message? The good news is not that you do good things in response to it, but it's, here's this good news, that Jesus died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that mm-hmm. you can be saved by having faith in Christ and believing that God himself has, has paid the, the just penalty for your sin. And then what does that do to you? Well, it makes you someone who's zealous for good works. The goal yeah. that Jesus has actually is somebody who then, then the product of this is going to be that you are you respond to that massive grace with worship uh, of all of your life. You hand it over. So Paul says in in uh, Romans twelve, I urge you therefore, brothers, and by because of the mercies of God, because of what He's done in the gospel, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So yeah. that's right. the response to the gospel that's necessary. So it's not just faith in a. Uh, verbal sense. It, it is faith mm-hmm. in a verbal sense, but it's also a faith that produces obedience. Yeah. yeah. A resp- it, it solicits a response. Right. Yeah. And, and you may wonder what kind of response does someone require? So for instance, giving. So why, why would you give to the church? Why would you give to God? And then you'd sit down and consider the gospel. Well, God gave his best for us, so. right? There are two reasons, though, that a lot of that you, that you could mm-hmm. give. One one of them is because I'm trying to earn something from God, right? Right. I'm right. going to give him some stuff, and so in return, he's going to give so me that he stuff give back. me something back. Yeah. Or you give in response to something he's already done. Right. That second one is the gospel motivation. Right. Is, is the way it's supposed to work in the Christian life. You, right. You're not giving money so that God will do something for you. You're giving in response to what God has already done. For right. you, and that's right. Ephesians two. It talks yeah. about we yeah. don't earn our salvation; right. it's a gift from God. Right. And that's usually where people get mixed up, though, with the gospel in right. in our culture. Right. It's they they believe that oh, Christianity is about a whole bunch of rules and regulations that you're supposed to do. Well, no, not in order to be saved, but because you have been saved. You see the right. difference? Mm-hmm. Yes, out of our love for right. God. I don't do yeah. it in order to be something. I do it because I am something. Yeah. And and I mean the, the the implications of this are so vast. So when God sees your good works in response to the gospel, that is righteous. So he would say yes, that's a righteous act because it was done in response to his gospel, to his work, finished work on your behalf. You would take for example, uh, the argument that to, the that uh, often is had is you have this non-Christian person who's doing very good things philanthropist, helps out, is a great person, great attitude, uh, helps the community. And you have a Christian who does the very same things. So what's the difference between the good things that a Christian does and the good things that someone who's not a Christian does? Are both of those deeds righteous before God? On the face of it, on the face of it, 
the the answer is they're both good deeds, yeah, and mm-hmm. they're both good things that people have done. So on the face of it, mm-hmm. nothing. But the motivation is the problem, right? So the motivation for the person who's not a believer is some sort of, uh, I mean, good deeds. Well, maybe no, it's a good thing, but it's usually in order to gain a good standing in the community. It's in order to, to gain favor from God. It's in order to you know, a like tax it's, benefit. It's self focused. Do you understand? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm doing this in order that I might receive from people, God, mm-hmm. whatever, some sort of affirmation and merit. Whereas the Christian is saying, I'm not doing this good work by giving or anything like that in order that I might receive merit and affirmation from my peers or from God. I'm doing it because God, in his kind grace, saved me from eternal condemnation because yes. of my wickedness. Right. And instead gave me the gift of Christ and by faith alone in him. Not by my works, but by faith alone in him, I have eternal life. And that very motivation is what God would look at as righteous. Right, and you find that, you find, quite honestly, that the deeper that the gospel goes, the the good news, the more that you understand the good news, the richer your worship will be. I'm Mm -hmm. saying, you know, the story about the the woman who, a sinful woman who comes in, and uh, at uh, a meeting where Jesus is sitting oh, the at a one table, she pours her perfume. She over pours his her perfume. She's yeah. probably a prostitute, and she's pouring her perfume yeah. on Jesus' feet, and she's worshiping in this outlandish way. And yet, Simon the Pharisee, this upright standing man in the community, is standing at the end of the table, sitting at the end of the table, thinking, if Jesus knew who she was, he wouldn't. He wouldn't her, do this. He wouldn't yeah. let her touch him. And Jesus confronts the guy and what he's thinking, saying, "Look, here's." Here's the question I have for you. He calls him Simon. Simon, uh, imagine that there's two guys who owe money. One owes $5 billion and one owns $5, uh, but their debts are forgiven. Which one will be more thankful, mm-hmm. right? For, and a guy, Simon's like, well, the one who got $5 billion forgiven, of course. Yeah. And Jesus says, well, it's the same thing here. You don't think that you owe me anything because you think you're upstanding and righteous and a good guy, and yet this woman knows that she is in great debt, and so she's acting more outlandishly in right. her worship. And so the point in the in in this story is essentially that the, the, the more you know you've been forgiven, the greater your understanding of the gospel of God's grace, the greater and more outlandish your worship will be. Absolutely, and, yes. And so our goal as a church is to repeatedly remind people of the grandeur of God, who He is, the wickedness of sin, mm-hmm. and who we are mm-hmm. in that sense, and the glory of God's grace yeah. in the gospel and what Christ has done, what God has done for us in Christ. Mm-hmm. And that when that message starts to hit you, I expect, I, I expect it's not going to be hard for me to convince you that you should give money so that we can plant churches. Yeah. Totally. I, 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 it won't, it won't be hard for me to say to you. You know what? You should probably live a more austere lifestyle so that you can maximize the amount that you mm-hmm. can give, so that you can see the the gospel go forward both here and around the world. Mm-hmm. Or that you should, you know, uh, turn away from sexual immorality because you're like, of course I'm gonna, like, if God's the kind of God who's gonna forgive me and He's gonna give His Son for me and He seeks my best like that, then I am absolutely willing to give my life over to Him and say that whatever you say is is right is right. Okay, stop I... there, Jeff, because we're going to the next question. That's perfect. Yeah. You're gonna keep going from there. So, uh, next question is stuck in sin. Can I really overcome? Which builds on the gospel message that you just talked about. Many Christians I know seem stuck in sin. Sexual sins like pornography is rampant or alcohol drug addiction is common. There certainly doesn't seem to be a lot of victory in these areas. Are we stuck in sin 
and grace increases all the more? Or am I condemned to eternal judgment because I can't seem to get out of my sin? Or is God's power ineffective to deliver me from my sin? Or am I ineffective in delivering myself? What advice would you give a Christian who appears to be stuck in sin and is already depressed over the fact that they can see no way out? Hmm. That's a very, yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I love it. Mm -hmm. I would start. I think the scriptures will call Christians to put to death the deeds of the flesh. Why? So, because the deeds of the flesh do not reflect who you are in Christ. Right. So, so we want to start here Mm -hmm. again. With the gospel. With the gospel. Yeah. The knowledge right. that what, what happened in the gospel is that y- you died to yourself. Right. And you now live to Christ. That's the language mm-hmm. that Paul uses. Right. Because of this great exchange. And because of God's grand grace given to you and that you have been made, in Paul's language, a, a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Right. Because you're not what you used to be then therefore you ought not be what you used to be. Yeah. Right. You, should be you should be who you are. Be who you are now. Right. And right. part of that message is that we are actually not supposed to stay exactly the way we are. We are supposed to become more like Christ. So right. we are supposed right. to grow in sanctification, is right. that fancy well, word for that process of becoming holy. Right. You've died, you've died to yourself, yeah. and now, now the Puritans used to say Christ is being formed in you. So God's, yeah. right. it's, God's got a... You ever, you ever, he has an agenda. Well, have you ever seen a picture where somebody's like, if I, when I was a kid, I, there was a girl who used to sit next to me in a class, and I was never creative enough to come up with my own pictures, and so I would just let her finish, and then I'd look at hers, and I'd just kind of draw <laughs> what hers was. It was very awkward when they'd put them on the wall, because people were like, yours looks like hers, but not as good, you know, like whatever. Yeah. But that's actually what, it's a good picture of what, what God is doing. He's yeah. taken Christ, he's got the image of Christ, and he is forming now he's using that as the icon, using that as the model, the yeah. and he's forming yeah. that that in you. Right uh, now, now that means Christ's, Christ's attitude, his righteousness, his character, all of those things are being formed in right. you, but they are being formed haltingly. Yeah, like right. I, they're well, not well because we have a piece to play in here. Like right. we cannot simply be inactive and say, right. well, Holy Spirit will do all the work and I don't have to do anything. No, work right. out your salvation like it, with fear and trembling. Right. And for it's God that works in you. First Thessalonians 4, it says the goal is our sanctification. Yeah. So flee sexual immorality. So yeah. the goal isn't just to say, well, it'll be taken away from me. The, the sins and the temptations will be taken away. We actually have to do something right. actively to grow in our sanctification. And this is your worship. This is the mm-hmm. way that you worship God right. is in response to, to the gospel. The question right. that is being asked here, though, which is a good one, is how much, how much success can you experience? Yeah. And so, I, so what I was going to say would Meaning be... Meaning how, how much can you follow mm-hmm. Christ and be like right. Christ and, right. and be free from sin? Right. So the idea then of putting to death the deeds of the flesh... Uh, this means that those temptations and those uh, feelings, the draw to sin, is huge in you. Yes, you may have come to, to saving faith, but that does not always mean that your lusts, your cravings, your desires are dead. It's quite no. frequently not the case. No. So no. they are still very, they are alive right. and well because you fed the beast before you became so Galatians, a So yeah. Galatians 5, it really right. does this, right? That flesh battles against spirit and spirit yes. against flesh so that you're not able to do what you want, right? Like, yes. So in the, in the end, that's a description of what's going on inside of you, this, this, this battle yes. that's taking place. And so that's... That's the normal Christian life is to yes. have the battle. 
Yes. So my question, Ezra and Thalia, though, is, Mm. is it normal then for you to fail in the battle consistently so that at the end we just say, well, the only difference between you and somebody who's not a Christian is that you're forgiven? So it's normal to fail, but as you grow in sanctification, we would hopefully see less and less failures in the same things over and over again. Okay. So, but it is... It is normal to fail and sin because we still are people on this earth in a fallen world. Right. So you would say that you would never be... You're never going to be in this life... No. Free completely, never from fully holy in this life. No. So I will give, I, I'll give, I'll give a, a, an illustration. Mm-hmm. So when I'm teaching my, when I began teaching my children how to ride a bike, so at first when I let them go on their own riding a two wheeler bike, they fell multiple times. Yeah, and so obviously they fall, they cry and all that, but they have to get on the bike and keep going mm-hmm. and get on the bike and keep going. Even though they fall and they get scraped knees and all those things, they kept on going. Now, my kids can ride their bikes really well. Does it mean that they don't fall sometimes? They do fall sometimes. And it really hurts now because we're going faster or whatever. (laughs) But they still get up and ride the bike because you want to keep riding the bike. Okay, so so what do you say then, Ezra, about somebody who, who... doesn't get up and ride the bike. So I see that a lot. I'm going to jump in first on it. Because that's the question that's being asked in yeah. the front right. here. So there's right. a lot of people who are, who are right. like, n- and don't I, have victory over, okay. over sin. So I see a lot first. of people who would like to spin and wallow in their muck, as I call it, in their sin. They just like to swirl around in it, wrap themselves up in it, enjoy it. And they don't actually want to sort of do anything to actively get out of it. Now, a person who's not a Christian can also be free from these kinds of sins and temptations and desires and things like that. Like they can go to things like AA and they can go to counseling and they can go to good friends and they can receive help on this when, earth. When you say free uh, from from the sins and well, the temptations free, and desires, like, so for example, you, you mean they can have some kind of success. Pe- people yes. can reform themselves to some level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Christians and not that. Christians, you can reform yourselves on this yeah. earth. The problem is, if you're not a Christian, of course, then the, the means, the reason yeah. why you're doing it again, this yeah. gets back to motivation. The reason why you're doing that is for some self reclamation project. You're totally. trying to. We want to be know, healthier on this you earth. Be healthier, you want to be free be whatever, from some of these things, right? And so yeah. there is there is embedded in you the ability to overcome some some desires and challenges. That's why some people can overcome. You don't need Christ to overcome uh, yeah. your. Your, uh, your drinking or overcome your smoking. Well, like years ago when I worked at mental health, um, I found it really difficult to work there in the fact that I'm teaching people great strategies for overcoming all kinds of things in their life. But I can't talk about Jesus, church, the Bible. I right. can't talk about actual source of healing. I can't talk about the Holy Spirit active in us. And so it felt like I was putting a Band-Aid on the road to hell. Mm-hmm. Like right. you're helping people on this earth, but you're not helping them eternally. So I right. would argue that I don't think I think you can help them with a band aid, but I mm-hmm. think I think that the way it works on this, if you're not a, if you're not a Christian, the way it works is that ultimately you cannot have uh, an enormous success. No, you can have over, some over these things. Yeah, I think the Holy Spirit is necessary for you to conquer the flesh. Yeah, the. And not and Holy Spirit and good Christian community and a church where you're right, plugged but, in. 
people. I don't want it. When I say Holy Spirit, you understand. I, th- I believe the Holy Spirit uses means. And so yes. a good Christian community and the people yeah, and the, I agree. all of that stuff is the means that the Spirit's going to mm-hmm. use to try to keep you. Plus also the, the, the Spirit's work in your life and the willing and acting, as it says in Philippians 2. But hold on, hold on. <laughs> I do want to say that it is possible, though. Waiting. So the, the question is... What do you do with somebody who is perpetually stuck in sin yeah. and it w- will not... Let me, let me give you a couple options. One yeah. is that they're not a Christian, mm-hmm. right? Uh-huh. Another one is that they're not living like uh-huh. a Christian. Uh-huh. Yeah. So so how, how do you fix both of those? Yeah, so I will answer first for the Christian. Um, there is a misconception that I found within the Christian uh, family in the Christian world, where when someone's a Christian, then the expectation is for perfection. Yeah. So I need to make sure yeah. that my lusts, my greed, my cravings, whatever, they should not even bother me, and I should be one hundred percent success. Yeah, but yeah, but in the real, in your real life, you keep finding yourself sliding back into that cesspool of wickedness, sin, lust, greed, whatever it is. Yeah. So many people have tried in their own strength to get out of it, but they have failed multiple times when the temptations come. So because of consistent or repeated failure, many have given up and said, you know what, maybe I am just screwed up, messed up, I can never defeat, Mm -hmm. Um, I can never overcome this thing. And so they've stopped fighting. Others have said, hey, I'm just going to be true to myself and say, you know what, God knows that I'm weak in this area, therefore, I mean, it's all covered under the blood and the, yeah. uh, under the blood of Christ, therefore I'll just live my life. Yeah. So I think that's the misconception there. I think uh, the scriptures will, will, will describe the Christian faith as a consistent fight. Yeah. It's always a fight every single day. So you wake up and you determine within yourself today, I will do my best to live my life in a manner worthy of the gospel. And then you go and you try. Now there'll be days you will fail and there'll be days you win. But we are constantly in a fight. I think the issue is most people are tired because who likes fighting all the time? Mm-hmm. I just want time where peace, mm-hmm. relax, put my feet up. I don't want to always be in a battle constantly. And, and then, yet, Ezra, let me stop for you for a second. Mm-hmm. The cultural message pops in here because mm-hmm. the cultural message says, you're tired of fighting this thing. You should just accept the fact that you this is you yeah. and you should just do it. Yeah. And that Christianity yeah. is just oppressive because what it's telling you is that, right. that you need to fight this. Yeah. You can right. be done with the fight by just giving into it. Right. right. And you, God loves you and a loving yes, God is right. going you're to accept losing, the fact that actually, you yeah. want, this is part of who you are you're now just and just give into what you're, yeah, you're being true. You be you. Is so I'm expression. saying, here's my thing. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that that message is leading you to hell. Yes. yes. Okay. That yep. that yes. message and the, the belief that no, 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 you shouldn't, it shouldn't be a fight. and shouldn't be hard to follow Jesus. That actually, if you're having a temptation in a particular area, all you should do is give up, to, give into that constant temptation, what, 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 whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm telling you that if you end up embracing the idea that, no, that's right, I should just embrace that temptation. I know the scriptures teach me that, that that thing is actually sin, but I've now justified it in my mind. I'm going to tell you that there are so many warnings in the Bible yes. toward you yes. about, about, about that. That, is a, that actually is part of what I believe the false teaching was that Jude was trying to, trying to address. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is when rampant I, today. And when I read those scriptures with people in my offices upstairs, and we read like Ephesians 5, and it talks about the people who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God, they all stop and they go, wow, that's a clear message. Right. Then the question is, what do you do with that? Yeah, so 
so the two options for Christians, well, the one option for Christians is to be in the fight. Yeah. The question Always. I still, so, so how much success, Ezra, I hear you saying is not, not very much. What do you mean? How much success can a Christian have over a besetting sin? I will say, again, every Christian is on the road to is on a sanctification road. That means you're in a road where God is continually forming Christ in you constantly. So I'm going to argue that the sins that I struggled with as a 20-year-old Christian may not necessarily be the sins that I will be struggling with as a 60-year-old Christian in many cases. So I would but jump But maybe, in. maybe, just a second thing, <laughs> yep. maybe... So let's say if I was a bitter, angry person, maybe there might still be some glimpses of that, but the Spirit of God is constantly at work in someone shaping and forming. We assume that... um, our, 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 uh, that our faith in Christ and our walk with God is just now. Like I, I think it's a lifelong journey where you may be a Christian for 80 years. You may be a Christian for 60 years. Only the Lord knows how long you have on the earth. And uh, Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. So it's going to be a process, but you and I have to commit to being the fight until such a time as the Lord sees to call you home. Thalia. I also think that Christians can have more success depending on the circumstances around them. So if you're plugged into a good, solid church and you're attending regularly and maybe you're in a Bible study or community group or you have good, solid Christian friends around you, there is a much higher chance of success. And here, at least in the Fraser Valley, we have so many programs as well that help with all kinds of things. But if you're going to be a Lone Ranger Christian and just be me and my Bible, you're going to probably have more troubles with success over the long run. Well, you're severing yourself from what's called, what, what theologians call the means of grace. Right. So the, think about that language, the means of grace. So what yeah. kind of grace? Well, sanctifying grace, setting apart grace, holiness yeah. grace. So God trying to form Christ in you, the stuff you're talking about, Ezra, that, that is a grace of God because Jesus is the best thing in the universe. So for God trying to form you into the best thing in the universe, that's a gracious act on his part, yeah. right? Right. right? So he wants to make you a trophy of that grace. He does it through means. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit is using certain means in the same yes. way that a sculptor uses a certain tool. The tools that the Holy Spirit uses are the means of grace. And so they are scripture. They are yeah. scripture. They are prayer. They are the community of faith, quite mm-hmm. honestly, which is probably one of the chief means of grace, fellowship with other Christians and these yeah. sorts of things. If you sever yourself from one of those, if you say, well, I'm not going to... I'm not going to be involved in the church, or I'm not going to be involved in reading scripture, or I'm not going to be involved in prayer or these sorts of things, but I still want God to do it. What you've done is taken the tool yeah. out of the Holy Spirit's hand. I know. And, right. and you said, Holy Spirit, yeah. I want you to form me, but not using any of the tools that you say you're going to use to form, I know. form me. And I'm, I'm just telling you that that's stupid. You wouldn't so, believe how many people I'm encouraging to be in church and to be in Bible study and to read their Bible. Over and over again, I say the same things because people are not. But I think, I think, and the reason people are not or are not as committed is because they don't realize that their life, like you're in a fight. Yeah. So the question then would be that our challenge our listeners, even myself, would be, okay, so how are you fighting this fight? Yeah. And what what ammunition do you have yeah. to remain faithful in the fight? 
Yeah. Because if if I would give it, a, let's let's use building as an example. So you're up on a ladder and you're trying to 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 fix something up on a ladder in your house. So you would want to have a tool belt with your screwdrivers and your levels and your staplers and whatever else while you're up there fixing this thing. Because if you left your hammer, you don't know where your hammer is and whatever. You come to a situation where you need a hammer. Now what are you going to do? You're up on the ladder now. Use your head. <laughs> You'll probably use your, and that's not going to go well. Yeah. So at the end of the day, the question is: most Christians don't know that they're in the fight, and because they don't know they're in the fight, so when failure, you tell them, Bible study, community groups, uh, read your Bibles, church, family, fellowship, worship, and all that. They say, yeah, 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 but they don't realize why. Why do I need to do all these things? Because you're in a fight. Because it's the means of grace. Yes, mm-hmm. to to win the fight. Not well, here. because they often want the end result, the success. Yeah, right. So they don't realize that how active they need so to be in this. Yeah. With all of that said, mm-hmm. I'm going to advocate that I think you can have significant victory over sin in this life. I think that the scriptures actually. I agree with you that there's a fight involved, but mo- that the tenor, the tone, of the New Testament is one of victory over sin. Yes. In the, in this life. Right. That it is not the opposite. There are passages of scripture that people will point to. Romans chapter seven, for example. I preached a sermon on that, though. You can go back to the archives and read mm-hmm. it. I wrote my master's thesis about it. It's, I don't believe it's talking about that, the life of somebody who's a, who's a, a regenerate, somebody who's a Christian. I think it's talking about Paul's talking about himself as a Jew under the law. So that's one of the proof texts that people say, no, 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 you'll lose a lot. You constantly lose. Uh, I also preached a sermon it just recently in Galatians. We talked about in our Holy Spirit series mm-hmm. about, the, about the fruit of the Spirit, um, which you can go back and listen to, and it ta- I talk about the fight. This mm-hmm. goes on, but even in that, I think the emphasis in that passage is about winning. Yeah, that there's that there is a the fruit of the spirit can show up in your life. You walk, you walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's a mm-hmm. promise. Mm-hmm. So, but it requires walking by the spirit, to and do what it. that means, and so, what it takes to walk by the spirit. So, if I if I say to somebody who's constantly falling into sin, mm-hmm. and I'm counseling them, mm-hmm. um. I usually ask this question, uh, are you repenting? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Me- meaning, so you're constantly fighting this sin and stuff, are you repenting? And if they say yes, I'm, in th- I'm saying, all right, that means you're in the fight. That's a sign you're a true believer. So now let's talk about what strategies you're using. Where, where are you severing yourself from God's means of grace mm-hmm. in order to win in the fight? You're in the fight. That means you're a Christian, but are you severing yourself in some ways from his means? Have you taken the, the tools out of the Holy Spirit's yeah. hands in some way? Are you not involved? At, like, how can we get you involved in these things? And what kinds of strategies just, are you using, for example, a fight against pornography, whatever it is? Are you let putting... me back up just a second there for the repenting. Uh-huh. I think one note I think our listeners need to understand is that repenting is not just the same as saying, well, I'm sorry. Repenting it means I'm sorry and I'm working hard yeah. to change by the Holy Spirit's help. Yes, and because I, it's words and actions, not simply a, oh, I'm sorry I got. But caught. it's not words and success. No, it's, but it's the intention. Yeah. of changing. Yeah, and that doesn't mean if six days later you've fallen again into sin that the last repentance didn't count. Like that's the if more, it's true that's repentance. The Mor- that's what the Mormons of. believe. That's not true. That true repentance doesn't always yield success, but it does. Yield. Uh, it comes from a genuine sorrow, sorrowful yeah. 
heart toward the sin and a desire to change. Yeah, heart change. So are you looking at the sin, agreeing with God and saying, mm-hmm. yes, that is wicked and I don't want to do that thing? Yeah. If you're doing that, that's what Ezra's talking about. When you're in the, at the fight, the fight is that. Right. And that when the temptation comes inside of you saying, no, I don't want to do this thing. I don't yeah. want to do this thing. Yeah. I shouldn't be doing this right. thing. Right. And yeah. I know it's... I know and then it's, flee, like right. the active things. The, the challenge for Christians, though, is that we, we don't usually think about the strategies that we need to put in place to flee. Yeah. And and th- this is probably an area that, this is what you do a lot. Yeah, I Thalia, do a lot. And this is what her, her ministry largely is, is yeah. care ministry, is saying, okay, let's talk about strategies. Totally. The like, practical application right. of how then do we flee? How then do we... Right. I'll give you an yeah. example, though. Uh, listen, I know a lot of, I, I know that in this day and age, it's pretty safe to say that like a massive segment of the people listening right now have some struggle or, or another pornography. Yeah, men and women. Like it is a big issue mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. I got to tell you, if you are looking at your phone or your computer late at night when your guard is down and you're, you know what I mean? Like you should figure out a place to put your phone. You should figure out where you're not alone. Yeah. You should have your Wi-Fi automatically shut off and have the passwords. Do you know what I mean? You should figure... That's a strategy. Is it going to be 100% foolproof? No. Yeah, but the... I mean, the point... But it's a strategy. Yeah, the point would be in that how are you going to win that fight right so you have to make sure and you have what to have you put in list. place yeah. will help you win it now so will the, it be a fight for you to win oh yeah you bet well that's why for example a covenant eyes for example which is like a right. sense of report of all your web yes. traffic and stuff now, mm-hmm. is it defeatable yes of course it is if you it get is. clever enough as a sinner you can figure out any way to sin <laughs> yep. but the point is this it, you're trying to build up barriers yeah in your life to guard against what you know that you're you're weak in. You know it. Yeah. Well, and you need to have a long list. Yes. So I tell people, because what works tonight might not work tomorrow night. So you might yep. need to phone a friend, yeah. and you might need to go to sleep earlier so that you're not staying up till 12 or 1 when you're at a vulnerable right. spot. Or, you know, all kinds of things. Get together with friends and then go to sleep. And all good, of healthy these, friends. again, though, all of these strategies are, are gospel-motivated. Yeah. Yes. Meaning that I, Jesus loved me. To die for me and give his life for me, and his way is the best way to live. I know that. Mm-hmm. I know that. And he is empowering me by the Spirit to live a righteous life. So I want to agree with him. Mm-hmm. I want to submit my life to him, not just in mind, but in action. Spirit, help me. And what's beautiful about the gospel is this. Like, it is possible there's a listener who's saying, man, I have fought this fight and I just feel so miserable about myself because I'm such a failure. So think of it this way. Yes, Jesus called you into his family knowing fully well that you're a failure and he still loves you and he still gives you a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. And continues to sanctify you. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. the beauty of the gospel the fight. now. Yeah. And if you're walking alongside someone who is struggling, what I would encourage you to say a lot is, I love you. I'm walking with you. Right. I'm committed to you. Like, I'm welcome of, to I'm, the club. I'm, I'm I one sin of the too. means of grace. That's right. And so yeah. you're welcome here with your stuff. I have stuff. Now let's do this together yep. and let's not give up no, and let's right. keep going. Right. We're just all in that together. Right. Good. Okay. We we hammered that one out. We, we sorted it, we sorted it all out. <laughs>
So I think the next question is going to have to wait till our next podcast because it's a long one and you guys would just totally dive in and we'd be here for another half hour. It's about uh, the oh, false uh, teaching. So I'm going to save that one. False teaching? Yeah. Uh, give us a taste and then okay, we can give the I'll people the a cliffhanger. Okay, here is the question. I've been a Christian for a long time, but I've not really read or studied the Bible. I listen to a lot of Christian podcasts and read a lot of Christian articles online. Those are in quotes. However, recently I've told that some of my favorite authors and speakers are false teachers. I don't want to be taken in by false teachers. Could you give me some guidance to help me discern the teaching I take in? Yeah, well, can I? Quick, yeah. I'm going to do a quick answer to this, and then we can dive into more of the the, the thing. For the the, okay. the reason that you're struggling to know what's well and true is you're not you're not actually studying the standard, the the scriptures themselves. And so there are lots of ways that you can get involved in studying the Bible. I mean, one of the things we do here at Northview with our men's and women's Bible studies. Is we study scripture together, and we t- give yeah. you, we try to give you the tools to study it yourself in its context, and these yeah. sort of they're really committed to doing that kind of stuff. So you're not just learning what we say about the Bible; you're learning what the Bible says about the Bible. Yeah. I also just another quick recommendation. Um, do you know in this day and age, uh, we listen to podcasts. I do too, ton of podcasts and things. Can I just recommend that while you're in your shower or whatever, put your phone up somewhere and and have an audio Bible plan. Mm-hmm. Just play it for the 10 minutes that you're in the shower and then hit pause and then the next day pick it up again. Mm-hmm. This day, we, it is, we, we have so many tools. You don't need to sit down in some quiet spot and although that's awesome too and read the Bible, you don't have a candle going and like that's great. If you have time to do that, great. But put, just have the Bible read to you. I tell people it's like your food. It's like your steak, potatoes, and corn on the cob or whatever you love as a meal. It is your meal, and devotionals or podcasts or articles are like your dessert. It's not healthy if we live on dessert. Uh, I know Jeff would like to, but it's not healthy to live on dessert. (laughs) So read your Bible or have it read to you. That's your meal. So I will speak to those who will say, but I have tried to read the Bible and I just don't don't have the... So can I encourage you to pray and ask the Spirit of God to grow a love in you for the Scriptures? And just pray this regularly. It doesn't have to be a long-winded prayer or anything. Just say, Lord, would you help me have a, a just a deep affection of the Word of God? Like, Jeff, I know there are many people who would look at you and they say, man, I wish I wish I loved the Bible and I knew the Bible like you, you know? Yep. Or like... like, like of course uh, I because I'm so amazing. <laughs> yes, yeah. Or <laughs> like a lot of years failure, of study, or, though, right? Yeah. So, so there, there, are, there are those who will say, yeah, you have a lot of years of study, but Jeff, you... Every time you talk, like the Bible just begins to spew out. You're always just thinking about the Bible and and, and all this. So there may be people who will say, man, I wish I was like him. And I would encourage you, being like Jeff, basically you just pray and ask the Spirit of God to give you love for his word. And then, you know what, it might take a while. And it will take a while, yes. I did a lot of Bible studies and Bible reading in my 20s because I knew that as a Christian I should. But I didn't actually have a love for it till probably my late 20s. And then all of a sudden it became a love. And I'm like, where did that I, come from? I think if you learn how to study how to study the Bible, you'll have a great joy in discovery. Yeah. It's like a treasure hunt. But can yeah. I just a quick piece of advice? Mm-hmm. While you're listening to your Bible being read, before you do, just say, Spirit, Heavenly Father, would you send your spirit now? And would you give me just one thing I'm about to hear that the spirit wants to use in my life? Yeah. Just And just, and just listen. And I promise you, I promise you, the Holy Spirit will use his word mm-hmm. and he will prompt your heart in, yeah. with the particular thing that you heard in that in that list. And if that particular day, that it was just a day that you spent 
listening to the word read to you. Yeah. And there wasn't anything, you know, amazing or whatever. Just shut it off and go. Well, it's, just, it's the Lord's Lord's desire today that I just, I just, I just go with what what I've what I've done. There, nothing there was just amazing or anything like that to me. I learned a little bit, I guess, about the history of the scripture or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But I think, for the most part, whenever I listen to scripture or read it, there's always something. There's always some line that sticks out. Yeah. There's always something, and I'm like, huh. That's right. interesting. I don't think right. I've heard that before. It happens to me all the time. I'm like, I'm, I've read oh, the yeah. Bible multiple times through, and yet something like, hey, That's I didn't weird. hear that right. before. Mm-hmm. I, was that word there before? Yeah. And right. so I, I just think that that the Spirit will will use His word mm-hmm. in your life, especially if you're asking Him to do so. And He, like, just mm-hmm. make, expose yourself to similarly. Mm-hmm. Guys, this is just a means of grace. Right. right. This is just a means of grace, and what you're doing is you're putting the you're putting the hammer and the chisel in the hands of the Holy Spirit, and saying, yeah. "Have you have a go while you're taking your shower there? Mm-hmm. Chisel away. <laughs> That's right. true. You're cleaning everything else off. You might as well get the inside too. That's right. That's a great way to end. Thanks for joining us. See you next week. 